welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you could please turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, we're picking up in verse 1. So not the Gospel of John, we're looking at the Epistle of John and almost towards the book of Revelation. 1 John 3, picking up in verse 1, title of our message here this morning is Children of God. I find it interesting that when Peter, Simon Peter, when he was first called, he was casting his nets, he was fishing. And Jesus told him to drop the nets, and I'll make you fishers of men. And and he dropped the nets, and he followed Jesus. And Peter became the apostle Peter, and he became a great evangelist. He was one that was used mightily. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, we read that uh, the first sermon we know that he ever ever preached, 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000. So he was casting nets, he was fishing, but he became a fisher of men. And I find it very interesting, John, the Apostle John, who became an apostle before he became an apostle, when he was first called by Jesus, he wasn't casting nets, he was mending his net. Matthew chapter 4, he was mending his net with his brother, and his father was in the boat. Remember that? He wasn't casting his nets at the time. And that's when he was called. And Jesus called him and called him out, and he dropped his nets, and he followed Jesus. And But the interesting thing is, John wasn't an evangelist primarily. John was one who who brought people together, who knit people together, who mended relationships and and tells us through through his uh, through this epistle that we've been reading, we're to love one another, we're to be, you know, we're to have fellowship with one another. Very interesting. Two different characters in the Bible. But here as we're going to look at in our text, he's going to tell us about the greatest relationship we have and it's a relationship we have with God. And he tells us in this text, in these three verses, that we are children of God. And I believe it's fascinating when you think of the reality that you and I as believers are children of God. He's our father. We've been adopted into a family. With that as an introduction to these three verses, I'm going to go ahead and read it. But again, I'm going to ask, can you please stand with me as we read? I'm going to read these three verses. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look at first. Verses 1 through 3, the Apostle John writing says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him. As he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's pray one more time. Lord God, we do pray that this text would be alive to us right now again. Give us application, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. These three verses are so powerful, aren't they? Again, reminding us that we belong to a family. God has taken us out of darkness. He's brought us into the light, and he's put us into a family. And not only just a family, but we belong to a royal family because God is the king of all the universe. He's the king of kings. He owns everything. So today, if you've received the Lord, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to a family. And look around. These These are our family members. 
These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we belong to the family of God. And I have to tell you that I'm closer probably with my family in Christ than I am with my blood relatives back in Michigan because a lot of them don't know the Lord. And he, he takes the solitaire, the Bible tells us in the Psalms, and, and he puts them into a family. He takes them and he puts them into a wonderful family. And I could say I'm so blessed because of that that I belong to the family. I belong to the family of God. I belong to a royal family. And we have a great inheritance. And we're going to look at we're joint heirs with Christ. It almost sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? We're royalty. We belong to a royal family. It almost sounds like a fairy tale. He's taken us out of darkness. We used to be sons and daughters of disobedience. We used to be, you know, children of darkness. We used to be disobedient. And all of a sudden, God took us out of that, and he brought us into his family. And he says, yeah, dust them off, clean them up. Um, I'm not going to leave them just clean. I'm going to bring them into my family. He's royalty. She's royalty. Sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? But that's what the Bible teaches us. And that's what we see in this verse. Again, if you can look with me in verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And I want to point out that word behold. It means to pay close attention. It means to study it. It means to study intently what this means. And that's what I plan on doing here, to, to study what does this mean? What does it mean that, that, that he has given us such love, he's bestowed on us such love that we've become children in his royal family? Well, even the word bestowed literally means to lavish us. Is that a good word, lavish? It's not like God just, he takes us out of darkness and, you know, takes us under the clench of the devil. Did you know that you and I, before we became believers in Jesus Christ, we were sons and daughters of disobedience. We belonged to the devil, basically. We were, we were of darkness. And it's like when we accepted Christ, Jesus, like, basically, you know, touched, uh, you know, just figuratively, okay? But he's, he, like, took the devil, touched him on his shoulder and says, hey, um, that title deed to his life, uh, excuse me, he's mine now. I paid for him. And it would have been good enough for me and for all of us, I'm sure, if he would have just taken us out of darkness into his marvelous light and we were, you know, then we're just, you know, we're no longer children of wrath anymore. We're children of the light. But he, he goes one step further. He pours out his love. He lavishes, he lavishes us with his love. And he says, you're one of my children. You belong to the royal family now. You're my kid. You're my child. You belong to me. We've been adopted into a family. My wife was adopted when she was nine months old, right? Nine months old? August 9th. I won't tell him the year. No. <laughs> and all of a sudden, when she was adopted, they believed that her mother was probably only like, how old do you think? They were like 14 years old. So she was adopted, and all of a sudden, when she was adopted, she had a new father, she had a new mother, and she had a new brother. She was brought into the family. Do you know as believers here today, it says you are no longer orphans? We have a huge family. Do you know when I was in the corporate world, I would travel all over different countries, different states and stuff, different cities, and, and I would look for the local church. I'd typically look for a local Calvary Chapel. And do you know, as soon as I walked in the doors, as soon as I started talking to the people, I knew I was like brothers and sisters right there. I, I just became part of the family. 
I could tell you all the times I've traveled, different, I can't count how many different Calvary chapels or different Bible-believing churches I've been to all over different places, and I could tell you, not one time did I ever go into one of them and think, oh, no, I just don't feel right here. I, I don't feel, I, I feel like an orphan. I don't feel like I can relate with anybody here. I never felt that. When they opened up the Bible, when they started praising my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm like, whoa, family. This is my family. Heard a story about two young boys. They were signing up for Little League, and they were brothers, and they were only six months apart. So when the, when the gentleman was signing them in, he realized that they were only six months apart. And he says, you two are brothers? They said, yeah, we're brothers. And he says, well, you're, I noticed your birth dates. You're only six months apart. They said, yeah. They said, uh, one of us were adopted. And he says, oh, which one? And they both said, well, we've asked our dad for years, but he won't tell us. He keeps telling us he can't remember. <laughs> we've been adopted into this family. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 8, 15, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. And I hope you realize that today. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you do not have the bondage of fear anymore. You do not have to fear anything except reverence God. You don't have a spirit of bondage. You don't have a spirit of fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. What are you worried about? God's your father. The one that spoke the world into existence, the one that said light be and light was, guess what? He's your dad. Do you think your problems are too difficult for him? But he might use your problems for you. He might allow you to go through some troubles because they're for you. They're not against you. They're, they're made specifically for you to, to conform you into the image of his son. But every trouble, every problem, everything that comes our way is for a plan and a purpose. You don't have to fear. The bigger the problem, you just go to God and say, God, you got a big one here today. And I find as the Lord's bringing me to this place of trust and trusting in him, it, it seems like to me he'll, he'll be bringer, bigger problems. I'm like, okay, all right, Lord, okay, I don't, okay, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you. I give it to him. And it's like, okay, that was good. That was pretty good. Here's a bigger problem. And then there is a bigger problem. And now I, I you know, when I, I try to do my best, I'm like, instead of looking at my problem, I just keep looking at him. It's like, there's another one. And it's not like I put my head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend it's not there. No, I look to him and say, Lord, the Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, we can ask of you. You give to all generously, liberally. I really need wisdom for this. I need help. I need direction. I need to hear from you. As much as I want this problem or this trouble to go away, I know that many times you use the trouble and the problems that are before me. You're using them for my life. You're my daddy. But sometimes we can bring on our own problems, right? Dabbling with darkness, going back to sin, going back to the ways of the world. And then it's like, and then sometimes what I hear people do, then they start blaming God. Did you, did you know that? They're back in sin, they're back in darkness. Like, God, I can't believe you allow this to happen. He didn't allow it to happen. You allowed it to happen. And all you need to do is turn away from it, seek the Lord, put God first in your life, and he's going to work all those troubles out for good. There's consequences for sin, though. You know what it does for me? It makes me keep running to him and say, wow, every time I do something wrong, I do silly things. I really mess things up. God, let me please, Lord, I want to stay close with you. 
So you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption in whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. As we talk about God lavishing us with his love, and I'm sure most of you know this already, but do you know that the love that God loves us is this, with the same love that he loves his own son, Jesus Christ? The same love. To me, that's mind-boggling. We're told that in, in John 17, Jesus praying to the Father, he says, he, he talks, you know, he's praying. He says, I in them and you and me. And it says that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me. But listen what he says. And he says, and, listen, and have loved them, talking about us, believers, as you have loved me. Do you know that word as? That word as means to the same degree to the same degree, the love that God has for Jesus, to the same degree he loves us. Does that just blow your mind? The great love he has for his only begotten son, he has for all of us here today as believers. He lavishes us with love. We're his children. The great verse that goes with all of this, Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16, Paul the Apostle said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, and listen, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we will go through trials and tribulations if we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Do you understand what, what Paul's saying here? He says, okay, the spirit says we're children of God. We realize we're, we're children, but if we're children of God, you know what that makes us? It makes us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Joint heirs. I have a joint checking account with my wife. When she writes a check, does she have only access to 50% of the account? What's in the account? Does she? No. Do I have only 50% since we're joint heirs? I can only write, okay, what's in the, the balance? Okay, seven bucks. All right, all right, okay. So 350? No. We both are joint we have a joint account. We both, if there's $7 in there, $7, she can write a check for $7. I can write a check for $7. What I'm trying to get at is in Christ, we're joint heirs with Christ. That means all the goodness of heaven that, that belongs to Jesus and the kingdom somehow belongs to us. The inheritance of heaven and the kingdom and all the majesty and all the glory and goodness were made in the image of God, but then we become children of God. In, in John chapter 1, verse 12, we've received him. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We're his children. When we step into heaven, it's all for us. The glory of heaven, the, the majesty, the kingdom, and everything that's there, we don't even know. We can't fathom what it is. But according to the word of God, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I think we're going to be blown away when we step into heaven. I think we're going to be in awe of the fact that, for real, Lord, you saved me. You sent your son to die for me. You forgave me of all my sin. And now I step into heaven and I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ and all the glory and the kingdom and everything here is mine also. Back in our text, in verse 1, it says, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Did you ever notice that to those that are not in the family of God, we seem a little strange? Did you ever notice that? It's just reality. We, we, we're strange. 
Doesn't mean we act strange, but we're, we're just normally, we're strange. We're strangers to them. We're strange to them. They, they don't understand why we love Jesus so much. Why we talk about the Lord all the time. Why do we go to Bible studies all the time? Why do you go to church all the time? They, they didn't, we're strange to the people. They don't know who we are. They don't know us anymore. I have best friends that they, they basically both have told me, we want the old Joe. I don't like this new person. Why? Because they don't know God. The, the Greek word know is gnosko, to know by experience. I, I know God by experience. But guess what? A lot of my friends, they don't know God by experience. So guess what? I'm strange to them. And I think the problem with the church is we want to act like them. We want to, you know, say, hey, we're still the same. You know, I'm just still hanging out like you are. I'm just, I haven't changed at all. And we're trying to act like they are. And we can't do good on either side that way. Because no, you're not. You're not the same anymore. You have the, the spirit of the living God living inside of you, transforming you from the inside out. You have the, the glory of God. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're not the same. But so often it's like we, we're just loving the Lord and we just go out and we tell people, we start talking about God and everyone's like, whoa, hey, hey, okay, stop shining that. I don't know what that is, but I, I don't like that. And again, it doesn't mean we act strange. Just loving the Lord, loving his word, loving fellowship, loving going to church, loving prayer and being a child of God. There's going to be people that are going to reject you. And I say, let's get used to it. Let's not try to be like them. They need to be like us. They need to change. God wants to change them. They don't know us. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him or does not know him. Look at the second verse. In our text, beloved, now we are children of God. I'm going to stop there. Now we are children of God. I, uh, do you realize it's not past or present future? It's we are now. Do you notice that, beloved, now we are. It's, it's not something that, well, when we get to heaven one day, we're going to become a child of God and there's going to, no, no, no. We, we are right now children of God. And what I want to say with this is there's some uh, Churches that teach that everyone's a child of God. Have you heard that before? I've asked people before, oh, you're a Christian. When did you become a Christian? Oh, I was born a Christian. And then they'll even say, oh, I'm a child of God. God created everyone, and so I'm just a child of God. Well, it sounds good, but know that it doesn't line up with John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power or the right to become. You need to be, become a child of God. So don't believe that when people say, oh, we're all children of God. And they'll even say it that way sometimes. Don't they? Oh, we're all children of God. <laughs> and I say, no, we're not. <laughs> I'm a child of God because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. According to John chapter 1, verse 12, I've received him. And he's changed me. And he's changed you. And you need to know who you are. You need to know, and we know now we are children of God. Right now. I heard a story about a, a crowded United Airlines flight, and it was canceled, and there was only one single agent there at the counter. She was trying to rebook all the different flights and trying to arrange everything, and the line was very long, and people were getting upset, and finally an angry man pushed through the crowd, and he went right to the front of the counter, and he slammed his ticket down on the counter. And he says, ma'am, you don't understand. I must get on that plane. And she says, sir, we'll do whatever we can. He says, no, I must get on that plane, and it must be first class. I'm getting on that plane. And she says, sir, 
I'm very sorry, but you know, I have these other customers to attend to. As soon as I'm done, I'll be happy to, to try to help you in any way and try to you know, please you in any way I can. And the guy started screaming. He says, do you know who I am? Do you, do you even know who I am? Do you have any idea who I am? Without hesitation, she got on her microphone and she says, may I have your attention, please? There's a passenger here at our gate that doesn't seem to know who he is. <laughs> if anyone can help him find his identity, please come to gate 17. <laughs> now we know that we're children of God. We know who we are. We don't have an identity crisis. Who am I? No, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We're different. Paul the Apostle tells us, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, therefore come out from among them. Listen, this is a powerful one. For you that think it's okay to be part of the world and all that's in the world, the darkness, and just dabbling with sin constantly, no. What does Paul say? Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. Don't touch it. Don't. In other words, it's not, it's not even, it's a picture of don't even touch those things that are unclean. Come out from there. Separate yourself. In other words, you're a child of God, so separate from those things that are unclean because why? Why? You're going to become dirty. And like, look at what it goes on to say. Do not touch what is unclean. And what does it say? And I will receive you. Verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're different. We're to separate. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're to have a presence in the world to give them hope that they can change. And there is a change that comes when you're a child of God. But look at verse 2, back in our text again. It says, and it has not yet been revealed, back in 1 John 3, 2. And it has, it's up on the screen. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he, Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Do you understand what we just read? We know we're children of God. We, we know that. But in the future, we, we don't fully understand what we're going to be like. When we see him face to face, when we get to heaven, right now we're children of God, but when we go into heaven, we're, we're not sure what we're going to be like. We're not sure what's going to happen, but, but we know we're going to be like him. We're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed. We're going to have different bodies. We're limited in our understanding of what it's going to be like, but we know we're going to be like Jesus. One of the things I'm looking forward to is the glorified body. And I'm serious. The older I get, the more I desire a glorified body. No more aches and pains. No more food allergies. When I look at the, the heavenly menu, I won't say, well, what's in it? Um, does that have dairy? No, just say, bring it on. I'm going to eat. You know, it's like... Glorified bodies, it's going to be totally different. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death, no more crying. Remember in John chapter 20, after Jesus was crucified, it says his disciples were basically hiding in a room. They were locked, they basically locked the doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They, they didn't want to be caught worshiping God. So they were, were doing it in hiding. Remember that? And it says that, basically, it says that while they were assembled together for fear of the Jews, it says Jesus just came and stood in their midst. He was just right there. 
And the Bible says we don't know what we're, be, we're going to be like, but we're going to be like him. I hope we can have part of that. You know, we're just, we could just be there like, hey, hey, guys, no more opening doors. No more, you know, just walk through walls. When I have to go to the restroom, I go through here. I go that door. That way. This way, I just walk straight to the restroom, right through the walls. This is great. He just appeared. And he disappeared. He went from heaven to earth. I'm sure faster than the speed of light. He just, Doo. we'll be on earth. Say, you know what? I want to go to heaven. We don't know what we're going to be like, but we know we're going to be like him. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.